Hello and welcome to the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. This is episode number 35. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Ismael San Juan. JJ Watt signs with the Cardinals. I'll give my thoughts on that signing. Also, Alex Smith gets released by the Washington football team. Where will he go? In the Premier League, Liverpool lose their fifth straight home game, lose 1-0 to Chelsea. My Wolves tie 0-0 against Aston Villa. I'll give my thoughts on that game. And in the NBA, Mike Conley makes his first All-Star game, replacing Devin Booker in the All-Star game. All of this on this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. J.J. Watt signs for the Cardinals after a very short free agency. He had a lot of, a lot of rumors where he was going to go, the Browns, the Packers. He finally signs with the Cardinals. Two years, $28 million with incentives. It could go up to 31 20 of these millions guaranteed. So because of that, he's most likely going to finish the two both years of that contract. Personally, I wanted J.J. Watt to go team up with the Packers, with Aaron Rodgers. I think that would have been the best shot for him to get a championship. J.J. Watt, one of the best defensive players of our generation of all time in the NFL. I think he deserves to go somewhere where he could realistically have a chance to get a ring to really cap off his career. I don't want I don't want JJ JJ Watt to be on on one of those lists where we're talking about best players to never win a ring, best players that never played in a Super Bowl, stuff like that. But JJ Watt signs with the Cardinals. Cardinals not a bad team. Um they did miss the playoffs this year. There's a lot of questions about Cliff Kingsbury if he's the head coach that will take him there, but they do have Kyler Murray who has shown a lot of promise who should keep progressing. And the Cardinals' main de- main problem last year and these last few years has been their defense. Their offense has been pretty good. Not amazing, but it's been good enough to make the playoffs. The defense has really let them down. But as far as J.J. Watt goes, he is about to turn 32 on March 22nd. He's not the player he once was. Um, he has 26.5 sacks over the last five years. So that's a little bit over five sacks per year if you do the average. Um, he did have a couple years in those five years where he just played one game or missed the whole season because of injury. Last year, he played the whole season. He only had five sacks. Two years ago, he missed some time, and he only had four sacks. So J.J. Watt, he's on the wrong side of 30. Um, his career has been injury-plagued. And last year, he played almost the whole season, and he only had five sacks. But we all know the player that J.J. Watt could be. Um, he is coming back from some injuries, so maybe last year was just one of these years that he's barely getting his his feet underneath him, that um, the team around him was atrocious, so everyone could just double-team him, give him a lot of attention. I'm not ready to call it, to call him, you know, washed or say uh, he doesn't have any potential to help the Cardinals to have an impact. I think he still has a lot, a lot to offer. Maybe not Defensive Player of the Year or Sack Leader, or even the best player on the Cardinals defense, but he does still have enough in the tank, I believe, to make a difference on that defense. But I think um, him and Chandler Jones, uh, they're being dubbed as like the best pass rusher duo in the NFL because, I mean, you could always work stats to fit a narrative, and I think the narrative that they're selling right now is basically since Chandler Jones came into the NFL, him and J.J. Watt lead the league in sacks. But Chandler Jones is 31. He had season-ending bicep surgery last year. 
He had one sack in five games. I believe the the year before that he had 19 sacks. So it's not like it was just like he hasn't been producing for a while. He had 19 sacks two seasons ago. Last season he played. He had one sack in five games. But I just want to be a little, a little put a little um, pause on all this hype for JJ Wall and Chandler Jones being these two amazing pass rushers. Um, like I said, Chandler Jones had one sack in five games before he had season. He had a season-ending injury, and JJ Wall played 16 games and he only had five sacks. So I think we need to bring down the expectations a little bit for the Cardinals. Um, if, is JJ Wall just going to turn that defense into? A juggernaut is him and Chandler Jones just going to pressure and harass the quarterback every single snap next season. I don't think so. But I think it is an improvement. J.J. Watt definitely is an improvement over the pass wishers that the Cardinals currently have on their roster. Did they kind of overpay for him? Uh, maybe. We'll, we'll find out if, if he could stay, if he could play all the games, 16 games. If Chandler Jones comes back relatively the same player he was two seasons ago, and he's able to get his sacks, then J.J. Watt should have uh, more liberty to have one-on-ones, and then we'll see how much J.J. Watt really has left in the tank. I think it's a good signing for the Cardinals, and it's an okay signing for J.J. Watt. I mean, he's made a lot of money throughout the NFL. He's he's had big contracts. So I, I can see why, I mean, he already made money. You can never turn down more more security for your family, more capital for your family. So this is one of the best contracts that was probably offered to him. Two years, $28 million incentives to go up to 31 I know if he would have gone with the Packers, he wouldn't have gotten that type of money. But the Browns could have probably offered him something around that. And I think the Browns are a little ahead of the Cardinals. Um, or the Steelers. The Steelers don't have enough money to offer him that. And he could have played with his brother. But the Steelers, they're probably not there either. Realistically, the Cardinals are one of the best teams that he could got he could have gotten paid and still gotten a fairly decent contract, like a good contract to maybe be his last payout in the NFL. So I'm not mad about the signing. I don't think he's just chasing the money. He could have gone to like the Jets or something, and they would probably go to giving him more money. But he chose the Cardinals, up and coming team. Kyler Murray is gonna go into his third year. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, this is like a prove it year for him. So we'll see what Cliff Kingsbury is made of this year. But I'm not mad with the signing. JJ Watt, he got paid. He got a lot of money guaranteed, $20 million out of the 28 So he's probably going to be there. He has a no-trade clause. Um, Arizona's not a bad place to live at. He could have chosen some other like more remote place. Not a bad place to live at. Cardinals are up and coming. They've been progressing since choosing Kyler Murray with the first overall pick. So I'm not mad. I'm not mad at the signing. I, I can see why J.J. Watt was signed with the Cardinals. He got paid. They have an outside shot of making the playoffs. Kyler Murray's progressing, and maybe Cliff Kingsbury really gets it going on his third year with the Cardinals. Not mad with the signing. I wish J.J. Watt the best of luck. I do want him to win a championship before he retires. He's one of those all-time great players. Same thing with Aaron Donald, but that's that's for a topic for a different video. But I'm happy J.J. Watt signed with the Cardinals. I'm not mad at it, and I wish him the best of luck. I hope he has a great season. And another player that's now entering free agency Alex Smith gets cut by the Washington football team after winning comeback player of the year. He's getting up there in age. He's one of the few remaining players of the 2005 draft class. He was the first overall pick. Uh, Alex Smith, he won comeback player of the year last year, but his whole career has been a comeback story. Um, I remember in my early days when I was watching football, 
Alex Smith got booed, got harassed by Niner fans. He was the first overall pick, and he was he will always be compared to Aaron Rodgers. And we all know Aaron Rodgers waited till like in the draft day to get picked, and Alex Smith was the first overall pick. And we all know that the connections Alex Smith has been a journeyman. He's been a game manager. Aaron Rodgers, probably the best thrower of the football in the NFL in the NFL history. But Alex Smith went into a horrible situation with the Niners, dysfunctional. They kept switching offensive coordinators. I, I believe he had like a different offensive coordinator for the first six years of his career. That's never good if you're trying to develop a quarterback. So for all the teams that have young quarterbacks, don't keep switch, switching offensive coordinator every year and you really help out your guy. But Alex Smith, um, from getting booed, I remember one game that really comes to my mind. Um, Sunday Night Football against the Eagles, I think it was in 2010, uh they were just booing him they they even wanted david carr to come in david carr another bust that's how bad alex smith was viewed in the eyes of the niners that they wanted another bust to come in for him but harbaugh comes comes in he has a great season with harbaugh um he has a couple great seasons with him then kaepernick takes his job he goes to the Chiefs with andy reed he has some great seasons with him um they go into the playoffs but they fizzle out he has his best season in the NFL under Andy Reid. He's even in the MVP conversation. They lose again in the playoffs. And then the next season, he gets traded to the Washington football team. And Patrick Mahomes takes over. And we all know what happened after that. Patrick Mahomes takes the leagues by storm. But I just want to give Alex Smith a lot of credit for his career. Um, to start the way he did, to be labeled the bust, for fans to boo you. Literally, probably the loudest boos I've ever heard on TV. Like You, you almost felt like you were in the stadium. Um, to be, there's a lot of chances that Alex, Alex Smith could have given up on his career. Uh, when he was labeled the bust, when he, when he, he, I believe he got hurt, like in his third season too, um, different often different offensive coordinator for the first six seasons, um, getting benched for Kaepernick after finally breaking out, after finally having a good season. And then he goes to the Chiefs and he starts playing good. He's having the best season in his career, and he gets benched for another young quarterback, Kaepernick, and then he goes to the Washington football team. He, he's leading them to their best season in a while. Um, it looks like they're going to make the playoffs. Freak injury, almost loses his life because of, of an infection that happened during surgery. Fights through all of that, comes back, third-string quarterback, second-string quarterback, eventually becomes a starter for the Washington football team. Just an amazing career by Alex Smith. I hope it's not over. I hope he can. someone signs him either as a backup or as a starter. The teams he's being linked to right now, the strongest are the Jaguars, the Dolphins, and the Bears. To either be a backup, like for the Jaguars and the Dolphins, he'll be a backup for Trevor Lawrence with the Jaguars if they pick him. And Urban Meyer was his coach um, in college in Utah. Or he could go with the Dolphins, back up to a... Or he could sign with the Bears. Um, Nagby was his offensive coordinator when he was with the Chiefs. And he could either be the starter there or the backup there. But I hope I hope this is not the end of Alex Smith. Alex Smith is inspirational. Um, especially when he was with the Niners. I just his whole storyline really captivated me. Really I, I was really like fascinated and I was I put a lot of weight into his story. I, I loved when Harbaugh took over that team and they got into the playoffs and they beat the Saints in um in the NFC Championship or the NFC Divisional game, they beat the Niners. It was just, that whole storyline was amazing to watch. 
um, the catch number three when he threw the pass to uh, Vernon Davis. That whole Niners team just really captivated a lot of the nation, myself, and Alex Smith was behind it. And it's just a feel-good story to finally have Alex Smith have some any type of success. And then for him to have those hiccups after that with the Chiefs, with the Washington football team, and to still come back, win comeback player of the year, and still be here trying to sign with another team. I just think Alex Smith is a great competitor, a great person, a great player. And I just I would like to see him um, continue in the league, so I hope someone picks him up. But pretty much this was just an Alex Smith celebration. I know a lot of people give him a lot of flag for not you know, turning into one of the best quarterbacks in the league, um, being the number one overall pick, or for the Niners picking him over Aaron Rodgers. But I think I've moved past that, and I appreciate Alex Smith for the career he's had and just for the determination that he sh- he has shown through these 15 years in the NFL. But moving along from the NFL, let's get into some Premier League topics. Liverpool versus Chelsea last Thursday at Anfield. Liverpool lose 1-0 to Chelsea, lose their fifth straight game. For the first time ever, they lose five straight home games. This is crazy, unprecedented times by Liverpool. No one could have seen this coming. Literally, no one could have seen this coming. Leicester City winning the Premier League was more had a higher chance than this happening. Liverpool won 68 straight home games before this five-game losing streak at home. They look dead going forward. They look like they don't have confidence. Against Chelsea, they just managed one shot on target. Um, it's crazy. I know a couple of Liverpool fans, and it's crazy how like even their confidence has gone down. They've gone from, we're going to defend, we're going to do the double, we might get a triple, we might get the treble, win the cup, win the league, win Champions League, to, all right, Champions League and league, to giving up on league, and are like, all right, we'll finish top four, and we'll do some damage on Champions League. And now Liverpool fans are losing their confidence too. They don't know what's going on with their team. I don't know what's going on with their team. It's crazy, crazy times. Um, the fall from grace that Liverpool is experiencing is unprecedented. I I, I don't know what to compare it to um, because they were breaking records. It looked like everything was just flowing smoothly. And now, like, I've even heard some people question Klopp, like uh, job security at Liverpool. I think those people are crazy. He, he won them their league. He won them a Champions League. He's going to be there for a while. But to think that people are even mentioning that uh, just like two months ago would have been crazy. But now, I mean, Liverpool is kind of free falling. Um, they might even not they might not even make Europa the way they're playing. I think they still have a chance for Champions League and they'll definitely make Europa. But just the way they're playing has people talking like, are they even going to make Europa? I think they're currently the seventh the seventh uh, place team in the Premier League right now, so they would, uh, they would, they would get in Europa some years. Some years you have to be six to make it. But I've been saying for the last few weeks, oh man, Liverpool's having a hiccup. They're gonna turn it around. They're gonna turn it around. They're gonna turn it around. I'm, I don't know when they're finally gonna turn it around. Um, their players look like they lost all confidence. I, one player that really um, got my attention against Chelsea was. Mane one on one against the keeper. Um, he didn't know what to do. It, it felt like he didn't control the ball properly, and then he kind of fumbled the opportunity. And I feel like in the other chances, Mane makes a perfect control, finishes like after the control, one touch, one touch to control, one touch to put it on the top right corner, and Liverpool go up one zero. 
and now the other team's pressing to get back into the game and Liverpool gets you on the counterattack and you're done. And after that, it's just an open game. Liverpool dominate possession, dominate chances, and you're done. But Mane didn't finish that chance. 0-0 game. Liverpool feels the pressure. They can't really get anything going after that. And Chelsea pounced on them on defense because Liverpool's weak right now on defense. And they take the lead. And Liverpool never really looked dangerous, never really looked like they were um, really threatening Chelsea to get the equalizer but i don't know i don't know i don't know how liverpool fixes this uh diego jota was back in the lineup he came in for salah and he didn't really do much but i can't blame this on jota he he uh he hasn't played for a while he's been out with injury so it's a lot to ask him to just come in and, and be the solution for liverpool but in the coming games in the coming weeks i do hope that Jota gets back into form, and he's the spark that Liverpool need. But I think this season is pretty much done. I don't see them competing um, in Champions League and getting that far. The team just looks very... Um, they're just lacking a lot of confidence. They don't look like the Liverpool that we've known the last few years. I think uh, they finished top four. They give a respectable showing in the Champions League. I don't know where they'll fizzle out, but I don't see them winning it or getting to the finals. And they managed somehow to get top four. And then they just retool and they go to Champions League. They go into the Premier League next season with, you know, clear they clear their heads and they try again next year and they just forget about this terrible, terrible year that they're having because it's been a roller coaster. It's been it's been pretty atrocious as of late, but I think they just move on from it and finish top four. Liverpool's goal for the rest of the season should just be to t- finish top four. And if they lose Champions League, I don't think anyone would really be surprised. As far as Chelsea, since Thomas Tuchel took over, um, Chelsea has looked very more tactically sound. They look like they're solid in the back line. Um, Chelsea for Mount has been superb. The one thing Lampard did was give Mount his chance and play him and give him consistent minutes. Other than that, Tuchel has been miles ahead of Lampard. He's great tactically. Um, I, I love the back three that he went to. Chelsea has been great defensively since he came in. Um, Christensen, in particular, has looked amazing. He he had probably the best game of the season against Liverpool, just really just taking the ball away from Liverpool's front three. But Chelsea, they're they're in the top four now. They have a real chance of staying in the top four. Um, and that's what we all expected from Chelsea at the beginning of the year. We thought it was going to be City, Liverpool, and Chelsea, especially with the signings that Chelsea did. And now after Tuchel came in and really shared up the defense, really, it looks like Chelsea as a team are just more prepared, more ready to play their opponents um, in the weekends or midweek. It just looks like Tuchel just is miles ahead. I cannot emphasize the difference between him and Lampard. Lampard, it just felt like he was throwing players out there and he was just trying to out-talent the teams. With Tuchel, they actually have a sense. They actually have an idea going forward. Um, you can see his philosophy on the field with the back three, with the overlapping uh, wingbacks. So I really like what I'm seeing from Chelsea. Christensen has looked amazing. Um, like I said, Mount, Mount has been great for them and they have been real solid in the back line. I think they've only conceded two goals since Tuchel take, took over in the Premier League. So I do have Chelsea finishing top four. 
Um, so it'll be City, Leicester, Chelsea, and I probably have Liverpool catching up to United, maybe taking that spot. It's probably going to be United and uh, Liverpool that fight it for that fourth spot, in my opinion. Also in the Premier League, Aston Villa versus Wolves drew 0-0 this Saturday morning. This game was a game of missed opportunities. Aston Villa hit the post in the first two minutes, in the hit the post twice in the first 15 minutes, really had Wolves fans on edge. Me and myself being a Wolves fan, I, it was like 9.30, it was like 9.45 where I'm at. And I was like, whoa, that really woke me up. I was barely waking up. I didn't catch the earlier games, but I was waking up and Aston Villa came out firing, hit the post right away, hit the post again. That really woke me up. I was like, man, this is going to be a long game for the Wolves. But the Wolves steadied the ship. The rest of the first half was kind of dull. In the second half, the Wolves had the best chances. They look like the Wolves typically do in the second half. They speed things up. They take things to the second gear, and they create chances. One of the best chances of the game was Connor Cody having a sitter of a header in the second post. He hits the post. By the second post, he had a sitter. Hits the post, and then the ball falls to size. Saiz maybe like two meters, maybe a meter away from the goal, and he somehow pushes it over the post. That had me screaming. I was so upset. I could not believe how he missed that chance. Uh, and then Cody found another chance, maybe like a couple minutes later. Uh, William William Jose had a bad shot. It looked like a pass, but it, in my opinion, it was a shot that he just didn't hit it right. It falls to Connor Cody, one-on-one against the keeper. He does a nice turn to position himself, but he can't place the ball away from the keeper. And uh, Martinez gets a phenomenal save in front of goal. Uh, Martinez is having one of the best seasons of his career, probably the best, definitely the best season of his career. A great signing for Aston Villa. But Connor Cody should have finished one of those two chances, and the Wolves would have won won 1-0, and they would have moved up the table. And there would have been some talks of Wolves maybe challenging for Europa in the last 10 games. But both teams missed their opportunities, especially Wolves. I think Wolves had the most clear chances. And another another draw for the Wolves, another game where they struggled to score goals. Pedro Neto continues to be the best player for the Wolves. He's a real menace going forward. A lot of times it was just Neto with no one helping him out. Neto had just had to figure it out. There was times where he just took on players with his pace um, or with the step over. Pedro Neto just is the most dangerous player for the Wolves. I love what I'm seeing from him this season. He's taking that next step. I hope he continues to take strides in his game. And when Raul Jimenez comes back with this Pedro Neto, I'm excited to see if they're able to build a real connection, kind of like the one that Jota and Raul Jimenez had. But I think this one has the potential to be even better. As far as William Jose, he still hasn't scored since he uh, signed with us on loan. Um, he continues to struggle to get chances. I don't think that's all on him. I, I would like to see more movement off the ball. Sometimes when I'm watching the game, he feels a little stagnant. He feels like he's very comfortable with just uh, bodying up with the defender and just being physical with them and not really moving off the ball. But I can't put the, all the blame on him. Um, like like the announcers sometimes point out, there's not a lot of chances that he gets. There's not a lot of service into the goal. There's not a lot of through balls put onto him where he he has a real chance to get a shot on goal. Even if Lewandowski was with us, I feel like 
obviously he's a great player. He would score his goals, but he would struggle to score just because the Wolves as a whole really struggled to get their number nine involved. Um, I'm curious to see how things change once Raul Jimenez comes in, if he's the spark that they need. Raul Jimenez is great at playing with his feet, so he creates chances by himself just by having the ball. But now the Wolves have 10 games left. They're eight points behind seventh place, um, and the other teams have one game in hand, so that potentially could be more. Um, Europa for next year, after having a great um, February, the, um, March hasn't been that great for the Wolves to start. There's still a lot of games left in March, but um, after these last few results, it just looks like Euro Europa is not going to be a possibility. And I had already came to that. I had already uh, accepted that reality. Like in January, when we were doing terrible, I had already accepted that Europa was probably a pipe dream. But after having a real strong um, February, I thought maybe there was an outside chance that the Wolves could sneak in into one of those European spots. But now it, it, that possibility seems to be fizzling out. I just hope uh, the Wolves finish this season with uh, with no injuries. We're able to get Jimenez some playing time, get him back into the team, get him back to scoring goals. We retool in the offseason. Um we figure out what we're doing with our midfield because Moutinho had a pretty lackluster game today. There was a couple of chances where he could have played either Neto or somebody out wide, and he had some bad passes, uncharacteristic of him. Even the announcers were saying that's not really a Moutinho pass. But, I mean, I feel like it's becoming more and more um, common for him to make small mistakes like that or bad passes or just bad decisions or lose the ball in possession. I love Moutinho. I, I I was ecstatic when he signed with the Wolves. I, um, he kind of brought that shift of mentality for the Wolves to really be a a threat in the Premier League when they got promoted. But he is getting up there in age, so it might be time for the Wolves to look for a more dynamic, more box to box midfielder. Other than that, the game the game was interesting. I, I enjoyed the game. Aston Villa had the chances. They were without Grealish, so, you know, the best player. I thought the Wolves would uh, take advantage of that and get a victory, move up the table. But missed opportunities, like what have been the story of this season, uh, not, not able to create enough chances. And when we do create the chances, we're not able to put them away. But it is what it is. It's been a very disappointing season so far, a lot of injuries. But we move on, up the Mighty Wolves. In the NBA, Mike Conley replaces Devin Booker in the All-Star game. Before this, Mike Conley was regarded by many as the best player to never make an All-Star game, along with Richard Jefferson and Lamar Odom. I think Mike Conley has been a consistent, great player. Uh, he didn't get a lot of shine with the Grizzlies uh, because of the market, because of the team he was, he was in. They were known as defensive team, a grinded-out team. He moved on to the Jazz, and his first season, he was, he struggled last year. He struggled with them. In the bubble, he played a little better. And then now this year, he's really made strides. He looks like the old Mike Conley. He looks like a point guard that could really dictate pace, be a good defender, um, be, just be a great, solid player on both ends of the court. He always reminded me of like a poor man version of Chris Paul, not to disrespect Mike Conley by calling him the poor man version of Chris Paul. But Chris Paul is one of those 
the most well-rounded point guards in the NBA that we've ever seen. Um, he knows how to control pace. He always looks calm. He's a great defender, even with the not being so tall. I believe they're both around six feet. Smaller frames, still great defenders, leaders of their teams. Just any team would be happy to have either of those players in their teams. Obviously, Chris Paul is better. He's a Hall of Famer. He's made countless All-Stars. We all know who Chris Paul is. He's in all these All-State commercials. I always thought of Mike Conley of just a slightly not as good player as Chris Paul. But Mike Conley, throughout his career, he's been a great player. He did sign the biggest contract ever in NBA history. He was the highest paid player. He had a, he was a player with the biggest contract in the NBA for a little bit. And the one series that I really highlighted to me how great he was was the first round versus the Spurs in 2017. He had himself a series, um, especially in Game Four, where he carried the him and uh, Gasol really carried the Grizzlies and made clutch bucket after clutch bucket. I remember. Kawhi was doing the same for the Spurs. They went to overtime. And in the end, um, Gasol and Conley were able to get the victory for the Grizzlies to uh, tie the series at 2-2. They would go on to lose 4-2 to the Spurs, but the Spurs were a juggernaut at that time. They were still one of the best teams in the NBA. They still had Kawhi. But that game with Mike Conley, he put up, I believe, like 35 points. He looked dangerous. He He just had a great game. That really highlighted to me, like, wow, like, Mike Conley is a baller. And it just, it made me a little sad just to know that Mike Conley had never made an All-Star. And just looking at the list of point guards in the West, it just seemed so hard for him to ever make one. Just with Curry, Westbrook, Chris Paul, <clears throat> just so many great point guards and up-and-coming guards that were coming up at the time. I was sad for Mike Conley to never be... In the All-Star game, but now he replaces Devin Booker. He's the third Jazz player to make uh, the All-Star game this year, and I'm just very, very happy for Mike Conley. Uh, he's a great guy. He, he's a he, I, I see him helping out the community. He's one of those uh, players that just represent the NBA really well, and I'm very happy that he made the All-Star. I, I, I saw his teammates on Twitter congratulating him. I saw other NBA players congratulating him. I think Mike Conley is a deserving all-star game player and i'm happy that adam silver adam silver chose him to replace Devin booker and uh my condolences to um the spurs player uh, what's his name DeRozan. my apologies to DeRozan. he he deserved to be in the all-star game too to replace Devin booker but adam silver adam silver has a say when players uh get booted of the all-star game and he chose mike conley um to replace Devin booker in his injury, so I'm not mad with it. I'm happy for Matt Conley. Uh, he more than he's more than deserving of this All Star uh, nod, and I'm excited to see him play. I think uh, he's going to show out. He might not ever make another one, just because it's really tough to make the All Star game as a guard in the NBA. We're probably in the best era of point guards of guards in the NBA, so I think he's going to enjoy it. I wish him the best. I'm excited to see him. But this should conclude. Episode 35 of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to me. Um, episode 36 should come out in the next following days. But thank you for listening. Subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, on Apple Music, on Spotify, wherever you're listening to it. Um, I appreciate the support and have a great rest of your day.